everyone. Welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Raziel and I am the host to the show where I get to have conversations with Olympic athletes, hopefuls, and legends on their story and path to the games. Today, taking a little bit of a different approach. This is not an athlete, but a very interesting conversation nonetheless. Uh, today, I speak with Reed Trimble of IGNT, Ignite Consulting. Reed is actually an esports consultant. Um, now, the reason why I wanted to have Reed on was because recently in the news it has come up, but also it is a foregone conclusion at this point that esports, in some way, shape, or form, will be included into the Olympics. Uh, before the 2020 Games, there will be the Intel World Open, which is the immediate week before the Olympics. So it is in conjunction with the IOC, it's not Olympic sport yet. But it is in conjunction. In 2024, it will be a demonstration sport. It means there will be no medal, but there will be a, an official Olympic event at the 2024 Paris Olympics around the uh, the esports arena. Let's call it industry. I don't really know what we're, what we're going with. Um, and then in 2028 in LA, it is most likely going to be a uh, a medaled event. Which is, which is awesome, um, which I'm very excited. So Reed came on, he, him and I got to just speak about this and the, the opportunities that it would bring for traditional Olympic sports, the Olympics in general, for esports, what that might mean, and the fact that it's such, a, such an incredibly quick-moving industry that in five years, or in 2024, the landscape might look just completely, completely different. So you know everything we might have talked about was useless. But it's, nonetheless, it's a very interesting conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. So one more time, Reed Trimble of Ignite consulting all right today special guest reed trimble of ignt ignite consulting he uh, started as a personal brand consultant for nfl players he started his own then started his own esports consultancy in january of 2019 since then he's worked with top tier brands on sponsorship such as dollar shave club he currently manages over 200 different esports assets and works to create strategic partnerships for each one. And I'm really excited to have Reed on today because eventually, whether it's 2028 or beyond, esports will be in the Olympics, whether anybody out there likes it or not. So, Reed, thank you so much for uh, for hanging out with me today. Really excited for the conversation. Thanks, Mike. Always a pleasure to be chatting with you. Super excited to talk esports, Olympics, gaming, the whole nine yards. Well, yeah, man, it should be fun. Um, it, you know, when you, you brought up the, the idea of doing a podcast, it kind of hit me and I was like, well, it's definitely going to be the Olympics. Like, it's not even a question at this point, um, considering some of the things we're going to talk about. And it just so happens the day or the day after you suggested it, I think uh, one of the most famous gamers out there, if not the most famous ninja came out and said, Esports will be in the Olympics, so I just think it's a perfect time to have this conversation, and and uh, let's jump on that. So first, let's talk about you a little bit, Reed. Um, you're a good dude. I've known you for almost a year now, so we've we've had a few conversations. But um, sure. tell me a little bit about, I guess, growing up. I mean, I played a lot of video games as a kid. I played a lot of sports as a kid. I guess where where did you fall in on that? And uh, you know, where where did your love of video games come from? Yeah, I mean, same old, same old. Uh, definitely played a lot of sports. Definitely played a lot of video games. I think uh, you and I both share a competitive nature and that goes along with, with both uh, video games and esports. Not only did I want to you know, crush my friends playing basketball, um, but when we got home and, and we're all on, on Call of Duty, I would want to do the same thing. So I'm Canadian, grew up, born and raised here in Toronto. Um, you know, Everyone jokes as it's the coldest place to be on earth and all that fun stuff, but no lie, I, pretty sure I was born with a pair of ski boots on one foot and a skate on the other. So grew up a uh, winter sport athlete, played hockey, um, skied competitively in, in freestyle for a number of years. Um, but you know, my, my 
I call it my sports ADHD. I could never uh, not play uh, a single sport. So I would play soccer and run track in the fall, um, play hoops and, and ski and, and play hockey in the winter and then uh, play rugby, football, et cetera, in, in the spring. So it was kind of um, an awesome childhood that I was being able to play all these sports and um, really center that as a key piece of my identity as uh, as an athlete. So um, continue to play now. I mean, whenever I can, I'm, I'm, I'm playing pickup, pickup ball, even though my ankles hate me for doing it. Um, but uh, when I, you know, was living in New York uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, it was funny. I made the mistake of going to West Forth as my first pickup uh, hoops game. And all the, 30 minutes in, I was getting dunked on left, right and center. So that was a wide awakening, but uh, I, you know, I always like to, to 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 participate in the sporting community wherever I am. And um, it, as as uh, it goes for my video game career, um, it started as soon as I got my first Nintendo. Um, playing Mario Kart, playing Pokemon, all those all those games definitely were a huge part of my childhood. And as I grew up, I graduated to a PlayStation, and um, uh, you know, dabbled in some Xbox from time to time. Uh, and now working on uh, becoming part of the, the PC Master Race and, and uh, building a, a, a strong CPU to run, um, you know, games that are way ahead of my competition level. But, um, you know, it makes me look good. So that's really um, all that matters. I think my video game, uh, you know, Passion and, and competition really stems from my brother, who may not have been on the uh, more athletic side, but when it comes to uh, you know video games, he's arguably one of the best players I know in, in a multitude of different games. So it's a good uh, it's a good way for us to stay connected. He's at school right now um, in senior year of university, so you know when he's off, we hop online and, and play a bunch of games and. And that's kind of one of the great things about video games right now is no matter where you are around the world, it's always a good time. Um, it's always a good place to hop online and you can connect with whoever you want. So I continue to play now. I mean, it is my job to understand these games. So whenever there's a new um, eSport game, uh, anything in the news, I try and hop on as play and play as quick as possible and at least get to a level where I'm understanding what's going on in the game. Um, but yeah, that's that's a little bit about me, me growing up, um, just continuing to to uh, build, you know, my brand as, a, as an eSport expert and, and not only that, but uh, play sports whenever I can. Mm -hmm. No, I love it, man. I mean, it's all, as you said, it's, it, it's, it's derived from a place of competition. Um, I mean, congrats to you from going to, uh, you know, hanging out. Uh, what was it? West Forth, I think you said, I mean, at that point, you should have oh just went God. to just go to Rucker Park at that point. If yeah. you're going to get embarrassed, get embarrassed <laughs> on a huge stage. Right. So that is too funny, man. And, and yeah. no, I love, I love the point that you ended with saying, you know, with, with, with video games, you can, especially with some of these things and some of the capabilities that they have. I mean, you can play with anyone anywhere in the world. And, and you know, I, I know a lot of friends that have developed online friendships. And then those people are like, hey, man, I'm coming to New York. I'm coming to this place. Like, we can meet up and, and be friends in real life now, which is pretty cool, I think. So it's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's an awesome culture and a really cool thing building. And I just think, you know, it's, it's only getting bigger, right? So that's that's why you're here. That's why we want to learn from you. So we really appreciate sure. you coming on, brother. I, um, I, I was actually invited to a wedding, no joke, that was um, two people who met online playing wow. video games. That's so fantastic. 
I mean, that's that's a love story if I've ever heard. Of. Um, <laughs> yeah, when who who writes the first esports uh, uh, movie? Rom com, rom com. Yeah, the baby. perfect, yeah. perfect. Can't wait. I mean, oh they, my goodness, it, it was just on Ballers. Uh, I don't know if you watched that show, but The Rock like purchased an esports team or something, a League of Legends team, um, with Echo Fox and and competed. Uh, I, the, there's some really great quality content out there. Uh, South Park has done a couple of yes. really funny episodes. The World of Warcraft one might be my favorite of all time, to be honest. Um, but it, it, it is only a matter of time until, uh, you know, there, there is a, I mean, you are, you already see it. Like ready player one is basically a video game. Pretty much. And there's, there's love in that. So it's true. Oh, I love it, man. I love it. This will be good. Um, good stuff. All right. So one thing, uh, you actually educated me on this, uh, not too long ago really was there is a difference between gaming and the creator as you you put it and the actual actual esports um so can you just give us like a like a two minute rundown or or a couple sentence rundown on exactly what the difference is and everyone should understand we are going to be mostly talking about esports here not too much about gaming so gaming and esports are different uh esports is a uh for a ten thousand foot overview um layman's terms competitive gaming so uh, pretty much everyone you know is a gamer if you're playing scrabble on your phone or you're playing candy crush you're a gamer um video games have instilled themselves into daily life and are um you know a multi 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 billion dollar industry uh it's a bigger industry than the film industry it's a bigger industry um than the music industry um so the gaming industry really encompasses everything that goes along with whether it's the publishing of the games the uh you know the and the and the creation um the the playing of the games the consumables all that sort of stuff that's involved in gaming and when you talk about influencers which is kind of the hot topic right now someone like a twitch streamer someone like a ninja um yes they were very good and he did compete as an esports athlete in halo um and uh you know recently in Fortnite Pro-Am and all that sort of stuff. But I would qualify him as a gaming influencer rather than esports influencer or an esports athlete. Um, Somewhat a a good way to kind of um, bridge that gap is if you look at someone like uh, LeBron James. LeBron James is an athlete. He's not, he's not an influencer. Well, he is an influencer, but he, he is, he is an influencer because he is an athlete. Um, Whereas those kids doing um trick shot videos on uh instagram those guys are creators those guys are quote-unquote gamers um esports has evolved as a competitive platform for gaming um and you know professional athletes are uh people who uh, participate in esports on a semi-regular to regular basis so if you're competing in a league um like the uh league of legends you know, LEC, um, EU league, that sort of stuff. If you're competing in the Overwatch league, if you're competing in fighting game tournaments, you are an esports athlete. Um, and, and another, another point that a lot of people uh, are starting to bring up is esports has actually become a very, um, good marketing tool for publishers to publish their, uh, to market their new game. So a great example of this is the call of duty league that was just, uh, founded this year coming up in 2020 what's coming out uh activision blizzards arguably one of their biggest titles in call of duty call of duty modern warfare um version two releasing you know in 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 the next month so 
um, it gives these publishers a very uh, an, an additional marketing channel to reach the um, hardcore gaming audience mm-hmm. as well as the casual gaming audience. So yeah, that's I know that I kind of rambled a little bit, but think of esports as um, competitive gaming mm-hmm. and think of gaming as you know anytime you're on some sort of screen and you're competing in a in a video game whether that's candy crush or call of duty mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no i love it man and that, that's great so thank you again because that was uh it was it was kind of eye-opening when you did you know define that and explain it to me a little bit because i always thought of uh, you know, I, I'm not a huge, huge video game player. I used to be back in the day, but I spend way too much time, so I can't really too much. I play Pokemon once a year. I'll pick up Skyrim exactly. every once in a while just because I love it so much. But, um, but, you know, I always I always considered, or at least in my understanding, I always thought Ninja was esports. But clearly that is, I mean, he is, but he is not. But he's more known as the content creator and the influencer, yeah. which, which makes sense when you put it in the terms of LeBron James versus that kid that does trick shots on Instagram he's an influencer of some sort. Yes, he's an athlete, but I think he's almost an influencer first, Yeah, I mean, right? if you put him in, if put him in a, a basketball game, I'm sure he's good. <laughs> but, but put him in a basketball like, game next to LeBron, though, right? No. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And, and, and I guess the, the gaming influencers specifically get blurred a little bit because, yet, like, Ninja, for example, is, uh, you know, he's casting the Fortnite World Cup. He's competing at the highest level against other people who are also competing in tournaments. But like, uh, you know, right now, uh, there are a series of tournaments going on, online tournaments, and Ninja, you know, he's, he's, he's participating, but he's not um, really, really taking home trophies. Let's just mm-hmm. put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, another good example is uh, check out Yasuo, who is a, a content creator for League of Legends. Um, he, all he does is stream all day. He doesn't compete for a team. He doesn't, um, you know, compete in the North American circuit, um, but he just streams. So he just creates content. Uh, is he an esports athlete? No, but is he a gamer? For sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I think it, I, the, the the conversation around it is just, I mean, there's so much for everyone to learn, especially us, mm-hmm. me, and all the people listening. Again, this is known as an Olympic athlete podcast, but I just thought it would be really interesting because eventually I'm going to have some esports um, athletes on here because they will be in the Olympics, which I think is just super, super cool. Um, so let's talk about, again, so gaming is what it is. Let's talk more about esports specifically. And I would like to talk about it, I guess, from like a, uh, like a, like a demographic perspective, because one thing that I think is really interesting is that the Olympics, the demographic runs older, but if I'm not mistaken, esports, the demographic, obviously it runs a little bit younger. So just talk about, I guess the industry as a whole, and I guess the viewers and viewership um, for a minute. So it's one of the hottest industries right now because it targets uh, a demographic that is so hard to reach. So the typical esports demographic is 18 to 32 year old, you know, 70 to 80% male, um, which for brands is, is, is a very hard demographic to target effectively. And this is why you've seen so many non-endemic brands like Nissan, you know, uh, State Farm. Louis Vuitton. Football, I saw Louis, Louis Vuitton, Vuitton just signed yeah. a huge deal. Yeah. And, and that is a, a massive deal for them because guess where their biggest, biggest market is? China. Mm-hmm. And guess what the most popular video game in China is? League of Legends. Hey. So, you know, th- that, that makes sense. But again, from someone like yourself or, or I, I saw Twitter the other day, they're like, why the, 
you know, why would a, a brand like Louis Vuitton, who's, you know, the prestigious uh, fashion brand that they are today, partner with a video game? Like that doesn't, doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But to me, I'm like, wow, that was a power Brilliant. move. Like that yeah. was, you know, whoever came up with that was, is a genius. So um, I think the demographic uh, speaks to, uh, you know, the, the, the generation uh, of us and, and the younger generation that grew up with screens in front of our face. Uh, this is why we're cord cutters. We're not consuming cable TV anymore unless it's sports. And uh, a streaming platform such as Twitch, Mixer, or any of these other things uh, is one click away. And it's free. The keyword is free. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think people are drawn to this. Uh, and and the personalities that go along with gaming, so the ninjas and the other creators, along with you know the casters and and everything that goes along with an esports production. Um, plus, a lot of you know, there are I think three hundred million League of Legends players in the world. Like people play these games mm-hmm. just as much as someone is picking up a football or a baseball or a soccer a soccer ball. You know, inherently, why do you start watching sport? probably because you're playing sports. So, you know, why are you watching uh, someone stream or someone, um, a a competition? A, you want to get better. B, it's a form of entertainment. And C, it's, uh, you know, you're cheering on your favorite team that Mm -hmm. that you've grown to love. So um, it's a very exciting time. I think the demographic will continue to stay the same, if not get older on the, um, on the, older side so more of like you know the 18 to 40 as as people like us grow mm-hmm. older mm-hmm. um but it, again it also depends on the game a, a game like Fortnite actually has a key demographic of around 13 to 18 as their most popular users whereas uh a game such as counter-strike has anywhere between 18 to 35 a game like starcraft is a little bit even even older from a 22 to a almost 40 audience so it really depends on the game, and that goes uh, to say on on the um, gender side as well. Overwatch mm-hmm. is a good example because they have uh, actual female characters in the game that you can play. It actually has the highest amount of females playing in any first person shooter. So that's mm-hmm. you know Call of Duties, your uh, Counter Strikes, that sort of stuff. So um, it depends on the game. It depends on the. Um, the characters and 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 what's in the game but overall it's a male dominated uh 18 to 32 year old audience that you're looking at in esports mm-hmm. and in, and in gaming mm-hmm. and yeah and and everyone kind of for for better or for worse everyone is as you said going after that demographic i mean look mm-hmm. at uh for example barstool sports i mean they've made how much money by just not catering sure. well, catering to that demographic, but being authentic to themselves at the same time. I'm, I'm a big fan for better or for worse um, to some of their personalities. But um, I mean, that, that demographic is so coveted, which I think is very interesting. And it's really cool how you laid it out. Like there are, there are X number of sports, you know, the United States, there's the big four exactly. and then there's soccer. Some people will consider it the big five. If you add that, you then have racing and that's about it you know so maybe six different sports we can call it as you just laid out you said four or five different games that have not completely but relatively different demographics for for brands and for people to be able to see watch feel and understand that range is significantly bigger and as you said league of legends has 300 million people that play it i mean why like it is a sport it's competitive so why why can't it be the olympics i think it's a really interesting argument yeah and i think uh Look at 
the NBA versus the MLB. That's a perfect Oh my God. Yep. Exactly. Yep. MLB is what fifth around the 50 zone for the average age demographic. And Mm -hmm. the NBA has got to be young twenties. Oh my gosh. That's a perfect example. Mm -hmm. And uh, Fortnite, again, going back to that example in the world cup, the average competitive age was 15 years old. So the average competitor at the world cup in Fortnite was 15 years old. Um, That's insane. Um, so that's how a game that's been so popular has, uh, driven such a younger demographic mm-hmm. is through their creators, through their competitors, all that sort of stuff. Because, you know, as a 13, 14, 15, 16 year old kid, your only responsibility is school. Mm-hmm. So if you come back from school, you can just game Fortnite as much as you want. Um, and, and I think that, you know, it's right rise to popularity, um, and it's and it's competitive scene the way it's structured where anyone can enter a tournament at any time it just um, it's a point system has really fostered a, a, a very young demographic mm-hmm. but um, this is what's so interesting about the Olympics is because I, I read somewhere uh, the other day that viewership is down 24 percent in the 18 to 9, uh, 49 um, demographic mm-hmm. in, in uh, on the Olympics so from a business perspective I think you know, because it's a no-brainer everything everything is a business yep. um especially the ioc oh geez yeah um so yeah it, it it's a no-brainer why why wouldn't we uh introduce something that has 300 million players or why wouldn't we introduce uh you know something that has as much viewership as the super bowl into our uh our program mm-hmm. um where we know the rap like the esports fan will watch yeah because exactly the sports fan is engaged it's, mm-hmm. they they are um interested in watching when whenever their favorite player is playing so again from a viewership perspective um from you know a, a, an opportunity to increase cost of media rights to increase cost of sponsorship all that sort of stuff yeah it's a perfect it's a it's a turnkey solution to mm-hmm. that uh that declining demographic yeah viewership. and and there's there's so many different things they can do with it, which is incredible. You know, NBC has the the rights to the Olympics. I don't remember how long the, the contract is for, but I mean, to get NBC, like a really interesting way to do it would be have NBC kind of sell the esports rights to a Twitch, a YouTube, a Mixer. They make just an unbelievable amount of money on that and then let all the people that are normally used to streaming it, stream it. Because I feel like the, the disconnect of having to then watch it on TV or... or have a cable platform yeah. is going to be really weird, but that's just a whole entire another conversation. One thing I didn't even think about this when we were speaking though. So I, I, we can't get too, too deep into it. Cause we do, we are on some sort of a time limit here. I, I could talk about this forever. Cause I think it's so interesting, <laughs> but I know you were saying, so with that new call of duty league, they, it is now city based franchise. So like the New York giants, the Toronto Raptors, congratulations, by the way. Um, you know, so yeah. just like little things like that. So now there's this, the call of duty league you were telling me is now city based. How would, the esports community feel about the Olympics considering at that point it would be country based and they're not really used to anything like that. Everything, as you told me is really like it's team based and teams are spread out all over the world. I actually think that's a really good point. Um, from my perspective, I think it would be really exciting. Uh, fans follow their favorite players is, is kind of how the esports ecosystem is, is, is uh, structured at this point. But um, 
everyone loves their country. Everyone exactly. loves to cheer for their country. Mm -hmm. And there's the, you know, what it would do was, would be uh, to number one, unite fans that typically might be on uh, rivalry sides. So for example, you know, G2 and Fnatic who are two big European uh, teams, they both have European players. Um, they both have players that uh, would technically serve uh, on the League of Legends team of the same country. It would be really exciting to get, you know, those two people in a, in, in a room together and cheering for the same team. Similar to, uh, you know, I'm not sure if you follow hockey, but uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens. You know, mm -hmm. if, you, if, you, if I'm in a room with a Montreal fan or even like a Boston Bruins fan, you know, there's fighting words being mm -hmm. put in place. As there right? should be. Yeah, but but I know that uh, you know when Brad Marchand and um, uh, I'm trying to think. I don't even think the uh, oh John Tavares, who are both Canadian, are mm -hmm. on the same lines in the Olympics. There's no way in hell I'm not cheering those boys. Exactly. Guys, you know what I mean? Exactly. So yeah. I I think it would build uh, a larger community within the community of people cheering for their own own uh, national national teams, and I also think it would it would you know create new rivalries, create mm -hmm. new drama within the sports that are, uh, that are in, in, within esports. I think it would be very well received. Um, I would be super excited to cheer on Team Canada in every single sport, no matter what team they played for. And a really good example of this is actually Blizzard, who does uh, at, at their conference every year called BlizzCon, does a uh, Overwatch World Cup where it is country versus country. Mm -hmm. They have Team Canada versus Team US, Team Korea, all that sort of stuff. So uh, they get a lot of positive feedback and a lot of positive viewership from Canadians, from French um, people, from everyone around the world cheering their squads on no matter who, the, who they are. So uh, I think it's really exciting. I, I think it would work the exact same way as any other professional sport where uh, you know new rivalries will come up. Uh, old teammates will end up on the same line, whatever that is. Uh, and everyone is, is, is uh, excited to cheer for their country. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the thing is, I think, that why the Franchise League uh, might be a little bit flawed is because uh, a, a city is different than a country. Mm -hmm. A city is made up of you know, people Trans from all plans. over the yep. world, yep. right? Toronto is a great example of that. There's, I think, you know, maybe, I don't know what the demographics are, but let's just put there's a lot of immigrants here, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, that's why the Toronto um, teams haven't really... Mm -hmm because they don't have the brand yeah um they they haven't really been able to take a foothold in in their franchise leagues mm -hmm. you don't need a brand to cheer on your country no let's just put it that way exactly and the point i was going to make i mean especially with the olympics like how many people out there know everything about rowing or fencing or water polo no. or biathlon or curling i'm the biggest curling fan on planet earth for oh, really? once every four years everybody loves it once every four years that's all have anyone can ever talk no absolutely not but the, it's, the, it's it's a, I believe it. It's an Olympic sport for a reason, man. I'm not going to yeah. touch that. But no, it's just, I mean, I would watch my country compete in esports. You know, yeah. you're going to gain so many more extra people for into sure. that. But then you're also, as we've been talking about with the demographics, you're going to get so many younger kids. And if they then watch the esports side of it, there's a very, very good chance that they will then go and watch some of these other more, you know, we'll use air quote, traditional sports. And then sure. the, the, the sure. viewership of the Olympics will only, it'll be exponential at that point because they'll watch so many more minutes and they'll get yeah, so many more views yeah, and then totally. the online it, it would be incredible but um we can actually start diving into that conversation a little bit so the esports will be a demonstration sport in 2024 but mm -hmm. first intel is putting on the intel world open 
which is the week, if I'm not mistaken, right before the Olympics actually starts. It's going to be in Tokyo. Yep. It is a huge event. Um, and let's be honest, where is there a better place than Tokyo to start something, start this type of movement? Now, it's not technically a demonstration sport yet for 2020, but the IOC had something to do with it. They really wanted this to happen because they wanted to see what it was like. And again, it's in Tokyo. It's in Japan. I mean, Nintendo, Sony, you know, like some of the most exactly, totally. iconic brands on, on planet Earth. You know, so talk to us a little bit. What exactly is the Intel World Open and how do you then see this kind of flowing right into 2024 when it is finally an Olympic sport without the medal, essentially? Yeah. So from my understanding, the Intel World Open is a a two part tournament. Um, They'll be participating in in Street Fighter, which is a fighting game. And uh, who who out there does not know what Street Fighter is? I appreciate (laughs) it. But man, honestly, honestly, you'd be surprised. (laughs) Is it Street Fighter 2 at least? No, I think it's the most. No, I'm most kidding. Recent, yeah, yeah. It they, should be, I, but they, I. Yeah. They won't have the uh, the uh, the full boxes out there. I'll just put it that way, which is unfortunate. I mean, it, honestly, I've been to Tokyo, and if you go to the right places, uh, I remember walking into a, a video game. A, a video game. They're they're not even like I don't even know how to describe it. It's not even a bar. It's just like a. It would be like a a a, a skyscraper, and there's like ten floors of arcade games, and I walk in. I played Street Fighter on arcade maybe four times in my life. I'm with my friends. So, you mm-hmm. know, let's pop yeah, in a couple quarters yeah. and get a couple of games going. I swear to God, these guys look at me. They're all smoking cigarettes, you know, like literally dripping in sweat from all the all the games that they've been playing. They think it, it, they were like, if if you step on this, you better be prepared to win. So I know that the Street Fighter culture and the fighting game culture is crazy over Japan. So Love I'm it. really excited to see the production on that. And then Rocket League as well. Um, for those, you, you know, the best way to describe that game is basically soccer with cars. Mm-hmm. So think you're just driving cars around in an arena. You try and hit a ball into a net. Fairly simple, but uh, some of the skill mechanics and some of the trick shots that are able able to Insane. be done are pretty crazy. So, um, super excited for both of those. Uh, the qualifiers actually begin uh, early 2020, so I believe in January. And again, it's a really cool opportunity where it's everyone has a chance to qualify. It's an open format, and uh, the the top players from 12 different countries will compete in this tournament. Uh, as you mentioned before the mm-hmm. Tokyo uh, 2020 Olympics. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it's really exciting. I think it gives everyone, first of all, it gives everyone in the world to, uh, a chance to qualify. So mm-hmm. they're not picking countries until they have the 12 best players. And, uh, and yeah, it, it will, uh, it will be a good testing ground to see, okay, um, you know, what's the viewership like? How is the community reacting to this? And how can we, can we improve it for 2024 and 2028? Um, there's also $500,000 US on the line, which is quite oh, a bit of cash. Not that bad. Uh, so that's one thing that I actually uh, am interested in is because most esports tournaments, in fact, pretty much all of them, have a cash prize at the end. That's mm-hmm. just become since you know the dawn of time, since the 90s, when esports tournaments first started being a thing. Um, there was always some sort of prize at the end because there was no league because there was no championship because mm-hmm. there was no salaries. It was always, there's a prize at the end. And even at the overwatch grand finals here uh, coming up in Philly, they own, they, all the players have salaries. All the players are paid on a professional contract. But there's still a million dollars up for grabs for the winners. So it'll be incentive. To, yeah. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, there's not going to be a million dollars up for grabs in the Olympics because mm-hmm. it's the Olympics. Yeah. So, uh, 
will countries pay their athletes as I know some other countries do if they win a gold medal will uh, you know there be other incentives for mm-hmm. athletes or I mean I hope and I expect so but it, will there be enough incentive for someone you know who it has a chance to compete in a million dollar tournament or the Olympics which one are they going to choose mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's an interesting uh that is really um, interesting yeah we'll see how that yeah. plays out but i hope you know for for the good of esports and for the good of the olympics mm-hmm. they choose the olympics uh to to compete every year yeah i mean it's it like uh, maybe it's different with the younger demographic i mean you and i are relatively young right upper mid 20s whatever we want to call it um the olympics has just always had that allure to it um mm-hmm. and i feel for like sure. it's like all over the place and and the opportunity especially again um you know like as you were talking about with blizzcon to represent your your country maybe there's not a huge cash prize at the end but uh, there's always an incentive there's always the pride there's always there's a, a lot gold of medal exactly right like how many people yeah. have an olympic gold medal i mean not, <laughs> not that many when you consider how many people are on planet earth so i think exactly. you know obviously you hope i assume there'll be some people you know like look at the basketball team not every year do we get the absolute best basketball players in the United States to be on the team. But at the same time, you get most of them. So I'm assuming it would probably be something like that. I also assume, especially with Paris 2024, with it being a demonstration, it's probably not going to be as coveted. But once 2028 rolls around, it's going to be in LA. Obviously, there's going to be so much push for it over the next, I mean, nine, eight, nine years now. I think that it's going to have a huge cachet. I think it's going to have a huge... um, there's, there's going to be some pretty interesting things attached to it that maybe not monetarily, but I think we can get some of the best players in the world, at least most of them, uh, to compete for their country, which again, I just think will be so cool. And um, I mean, it's, it's a week, right? Like it's, it's a couple weeks out of the year. Uh, you yeah, know, totally. as, long as, as long as there's no other, as you said, as long as there's no other competition going on with the catch prize of a million dollars on the line, <laughs> which I'm sure the IOC can make sure that that does not happen. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. I'm sure they'll, they'll get enough people to, to uh, be interested in the, in the project. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I think it is super, super cool and the opportunities are really interesting. Um, so one thing that you, you brought up that I want to talk about a little bit is, so one reason, so back in 2017, before you know that this really started getting rolling with IOC one big reason you know we'll again we'll we'll kind of wave our arms around like it's a a travesty but one big reason they didn't have esports as a potential sport was because it's and you've described it to me as this as well it's it's a free-for-all it's the wild wild west like nobody there's no overbearing figure there's no and as they call it federations or national governing bodies um and that would be one big step to actually making sure that this does get in there. So I'm assuming with 2024, 2028, those things will start to pop up. But what have you seen on your end from the wild, wild west perspective that you could kind of understand where the IOC is coming from saying like, this is just, it's too sporadic. It's too all over the place. We really just need to kind of at least structure it a little bit. For sure. Um, I, again, it's imagine uh, like esports is just sport for video games. Mm-hmm. So you know, think of when the IOC was first starting and they're like, okay, well, we have, you know, 70 different sports to choose from. It's kind of the same with esports, where, yes, there's no overarching governing body. There's no IOC. There's no, you know, international esports committee. Um, yet, it's because each one of the sports or the titles has their own system. They have mm-hmm. their own um, competition uh, schedule. They have their own audience. They have their own creators. 
it's like, uh, you know, the saying sport, uh, and, yeah. and see and saying, you know, um, trying to lump the ML, like the MLB, yeah. the NHL, the NFL soccer and everything into one entity, mm-hmm. it's going to be pretty much impossible. Yeah. So what I do think, what I have seen happening is, uh, specifically in the college scene, there's been a lot of, um, uh, organizations and, and committees pop up that are regulating and creating structure for collegiate athletes, collegiate esports athletes, which is really exciting. I know the NCAA is, is looking at, at, at taking on esports as kind of a, uh, a new frontier for them. Um, high school, at the high school level, um, there's multiple organizations that are doing the same thing, um, creating rules and regulations for tournaments, for kids, um, that sort of stuff. You know, obviously the World Health Organization has been involved uh, in, in terms of like player guidelines and, and, and you know, how much you should be playing a day. Um, and, and specifically, they're get, each team and each uh, professional organization is now bringing on trainers. They're bringing on mental health coaches. They're bringing on, uh, you know, general managers. Uh, everything that you see in, quote unquote, traditional sport is now being brought into esports. So even two or three years ago, I don't think they were there yet, but mm-hmm. now you are seeing uh, that sort of stuff as the norm. And I think once you know uh, these franchise leagues continue to be a success, you'll see ownership group, uh, committees, you'll see um, you know unions and stuff like that pop up that uh, are uniting, uh, presenting a united front mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to the IOC. Um, but I think from from their perspective, esports is daunting because they can't include they can't just say like esports is in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. They have to choose a title. They have to and you know they have to uh, choose a, a title that's not like it's going to no be no violence. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's why I, I think Rocket League and Street Fighter are great examples. I mean, Street Fighter is technically just like boxing, mm-hmm. and Rocket mm-hmm. League is driving cars and uh, balls into a net. So you can't really get any more family friendly mm-hmm. than that. Um, but I, I think what the IOC needs to realize is, uh, in a couple of years, there will be, you know, a commissioner circle, there mm-hmm. will be a, uh, an ownership group in each one of these, um, uh, titles. And that's the group that they go to and be like, Hey, you know, here, you're the biggest rocket league mm-hmm. geek in the mm-hmm. world. How can we get like, let's just use your rules, tweak them maybe a little bit and, and apply them to the Olympics. It, it's kind of the same as how they got NBA, uh, basketball or soccer or NHL. Like they didn't, they didn't, uh, the hockey, basketball and soccer didn't originate in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. They were brought in mm-hmm. all those rules and regulations. All those athletes were brought over from professional leagues. So why can't the IOC do the same um, with just, you know, esports? pick a couple titles and, uh, and there you go. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a really great point, and I think it's definitely not only a possibility, but as we have been talking about, and the reason again you, I brought you on was to educate some of the people out there, whether they like it or not, it will be in the Olympics. It will be a medaled event at some point, most likely twenty twenty eight. Uh, kind of the the uh, the pattern is um, the have a demonstration, see how it goes uh, from a competition standpoint, but also from a viewership standpoint, and then if it if all goes well it will be in the, the Olympics, uh, such as this year we have surfing 2020. We'll have surfing. You'll have rock climbing. Um, they were demonstration sports in 2016. People liked them. They thought this is a great idea. It worked. And now they're moving forward. Um, and now they're medal events. Not only are they medal events, 
they've already decided in 2024, rock climbing will have more events. Now in rock climbing in 2020 is a single event and it's, there's one medal given out men and women. Um, and already they decided, you know, this makes so much sense. Like let's expand it. So it's only going to be expanded, uh, when it comes to esports. and it, it, it is, you know, learning more and more about it is kind of frustrating and saying esports because it's, it's the competitive call of duty. It's competitive Fortnite. They're, they're all different sports as you were saying, yeah. like it's very difficult to have a commissioner of multiple leagues right it's like, like having that, a commissioner of sport exactly yeah it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> really make sense but um no i think it's incredible and again Reed, really appreciate you coming on so again 2024 in paris um there will be a demonstration i'm not 100 percent sure uh maybe i did poor research but i don't think they have the exact titles they will be no um, they do not yet they do not okay but assuming intel is is a is a big um olympic sponsor at least they have been in the past Rocket League and Street Fighter, again, they can't be violent games. You know, we'll use quote quotation marks. Um, so it'll probably be something along those lines and most likely those two titles, I have to assume, unless something else comes along. Um, yeah, I mean, but, I, I, I just, I, I, uh, I'm not sure uh, if, it really depends on what they're going for. Um, mm-hmm. Intel, Intel Extreme Masters is a, is a huge tournament. Um, well, a tournament series that's held around the world and has been going on for years that they do Counter-Strike, they do Street Fighter, they do Rocket League, they do pretty much a lot. Um, Street Fighter, if they're looking for viewership, I wouldn't say Street Fighter is going to be the title that they go for. Um, it'll be interesting to see, obviously this is four years, from five year, almost five years from now. So like the landscape could, could be completely yeah, different. Very true. But um, there's strategy games out there, such as Hearthstone, Teamfight Tactics, um, and other uh, Magic the Gathering mm-hmm. that are completely family friendly and have strong viewership. Um, Fortnite is, yes, there's violence, but it's also it's cartoon a cartoon violence. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you're watching, I guess I can't really compare because you're not shooting actual humans, but if you're shooting a real gun in the Olympics, mm-hmm. then, you know, it, yeah, I, I could see it, but uh, again, it, it maybe it is, it's duck hunt. Yeah, duck <laughs> hunt or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think Rocket League is a very strong title to consider. I also think um, the sports titles might be included. Yeah, FIFA, you know, NBA, yeah, 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 NBA, two K. It's a very easy transition. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of teams organizations already have uh, Premier Leagues and, mm-hmm. and and esports teams uh, available for that. So. That is something I can see happening in the Olympics, but um, yeah, a really good, great mm-hmm. start with uh, 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 Street Fighter and Rocket League. I also think it's kind of um, sandbagging in a sense with having the Intel, uh, the World Open in Tokyo. I think it will get more views because of that, and then will only mm-hmm. help the IOC realize like this is how many more people we could say watch the Olympics. This is how many more viewers and viewership and numbers and metrics and, you know, statistics can be, can be skewed in whatever way you want them to be skewed. But I think once they see that, um, again, as you said, it's a business, I'm not going to sit here and call them corrupt, but somebody else can, um, if they see a way to make that much more money, uh, they're, they're a hundred percent going to do it. And it's competitive. It's interesting that many people are watching. I think it's only good for the Olympics overall because it brings in more money. And hopefully that means some of that gets to go to the athletes, which is again, why I do what I do. Um, but then the first time it's going to be medal is 2028 in Los Angeles. So hopefully you and I will both be there. Um, I think that would be pretty killer. If in like 10 years we're having a conversation like, Harry, remember (laughs) that one time? Um, and then all of a sudden you and I are at the Olympics for for one reason or another has has 
three million uh, <laughs> listeners a month. A then. month, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when that happens, hey, maybe yeah. that this is the start of it. Um, we're yeah, doing maybe. well, but of course, I wouldn't mind that. But awesome, man. And then uh, just last thing, quickly, where can people find you uh, to learn a little bit more about what you're doing with IDNT Ignite and uh, some of the other um, some of the other ideas and, and things you're working with? So uh, you can find me on um, my website, IGNT consulting.com um, on Twitter at R Trimble T R I M B L uh, 11. Uh, and yeah, I mean, those are kind of my two, two platforms. What's your game? Where can people game with you, man? Oh, uh, catch me on my discord. Uh, again, R T R I M B L number three Oh eight nine. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what discord does. Love um, it. And, and yeah, just hit me up there and, and we can game whenever wherever i pretty much play it all albeit i'm not the best at everything but i can definitely hold my own so killer um, man yeah i got I, i'm excited uh for the future i've got some stuff going on with a a, a group called mkm esports and rumble gaming here in, in toronto we're doing some really exciting things in the sponsorship realm so um if you're a brand or if you're uh you know anyone that wants to learn more about esports and the, and the industry and specifically from the brand side uh, and how to uh, you know activate really effectively? Um, yeah, just hit hit me up wherever, and and then we can go from there. I love it, man. And then just I, I can't believe I didn't bring this up, but there are so many athletes. It's really interesting, as I already pointed yes. out to you. I've had interview one of the interviews I did, which was absolutely fantastic. Part of the interview we just spent talking about video games because she's a gamer. <laughs> so I mean, it, it it's deep in all parts of culture. I mean, you yeah. see, um, you know, obviously musicians and actors and 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 sports icons that are very. I mean, Juju Smith Schuster at this point, he yeah, is he's huge into gaming. I mean, and it's just incredible. So I think you know, obviously, it's not going anywhere. It's it's only getting bigger, and I think it makes sense from multiple perspectives from a business perspective but also just from just a fun perspective i mean what's wrong with watching you know if yeah. you're willing you're willing to watch basketball like i watch basketball because i can't play it as well as them so why can't you exactly. watch someone play a video game because you're not as good as them so no man reed this was absolutely fantastic sincerely sincerely appreciate your time tonight very excited and uh yeah man i'll see you in uh, about uh eight nine years sounds good Awesome. Well, hopefully before that, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Our Athletes with Reed. Um, as I said, very interesting. It was a lot of fun getting to talk to him. As you heard, both of us were pretty excited about the the topic, the conversation, and everything around it. Um, make sure to follow Reed on all of his socials. Everything will be in the show notes. Please give this show five stars on whatever podcast platform you're looking at it on. Uh, it would be very helpful and get this in front of more and more people. This episode, but also all the episodes before it with all the incredible athletes that we've had on is a lot of fun. Uh, make sure to follow us as well at ourathletes.us on Instagram, at ourathletesusa on Twitter, Michael at ourathletes.us on the emails, and www.ourathletes.us to check out some of the stuff we're doing for these athletes. Um, thank you all so much. Sincerely appreciate it, and I hope you make it a wonderful day.